I don't always drink wine, but when I do, it's with two girls and a grape. Welcome to Two Girls and a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and I am excited to drink wine all season long. Apparently, Drea doesn't realize that every episode is not going to be a musical like our last one. Oh, that wasn't foreshadowing? <laughs> Unfor- unfortunate. That's not how season three is going to roll. Okay. Well. Uh, and also, by the way, I'm Jules. And I'm pumped for summer. Rosé all day, baby pool backyard shenanigans, and the beach. Sign me up. And welcome to season three. Season three. We are celebrating the third season of Two Girls and a Grape and our first anniversary as co-hosts and drinking wine together. So, cheers Cheers to to us. us. Dramatic pause for drinking. (laughs) But before we get into some of the new and exciting things that are happening on Two Girls and a Grape, let's stick with a classic, our cheers and jeers. So, Jules, what are you cheersing to start off season three? Well, I'm cheersing to season three, duh. Of course. I mean, obviously. That's obvious, right? Uh, But more importantly, I am cheersing to my girl, Kuka, who is my dog. Who one of one of three, <laughs> one of three. The OG though. She's the OG doctor, um, who just turned eighteen this past weekend, and we had a big party for her, and it was just the best. And she was out socializing. She was and the belle of the she ball. She was really Let's be having honest. a great fucking time. She was feeling herself. She was, and she was working that room. She was taking photos. Her vet came. Her I mean, vet it, just, came. it was, it was great. the cutest. Everybody was here. It was she like could. there's more people here for her than I think for any other party we've had in the last <laughs> couple <of> years. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you jeersing? Well, <laughs> also hearkening back to said uh, birthday party for the dog. Um, at the end of the night, someone had destroyed our bathroom. And by destroy, I mean literally they took destroy. down a shelving unit. There were broken bottles everywhere because I have like propagation bottles for my plants. Um, there were broken like little thrift store vases that I have with plants in them. A picture frame was completely broken. Like the wood was splintered in pieces. The Smeared glass with was blood. Yeah. There was blood. There was sand everywhere from, like, a little terrarium that I had. There will be blood. And then whoever this mystery fucking person was apparently just walked out of our house and didn't say anything. I really think the DNA test may be the way to go here. I'm just flabbergasted that someone would leave anyone's home in that sort of capacity and not say something. And I'm like, hey, shit fucking happens, people. Note to you, listener, if you do something like this to someone's house, please just tell them. We understand that things happen. I took down a fucking shower curtain at a party one time. On one of those rods that is permanently in the wall. Not a tension rod. So the rod was bent in the middle in a V shape. Shout out to Lauren. She was there for said party many, many years ago in Philly. But you gotta say something. Also, you just... Like, you can't hide that. Yeah, There's no just like, oh, I can just sweep that under the rug. Sweep that under the, like... 
you know, like a counter or something. Like there's no hiding yeah. that. Rob spent two hours the next day literally taking everything out of the bathroom. Everything got pulled out of the bathroom so it could get cleaned up and then re-put back together. It's insane. Crazy. This is Clue. So it was just a weird end to a really good party. Yeah, it was a great party. But also, like, it didn't ruin my night. I literally closed the bathroom door and I was like, we are not fucking dealing with that right now. I mean, We're doing this tomorrow. That's how you deal with it, like That's a boss. just not how I'm ending the night. Yeah, it's nope. like on my hands and knees with broken glass. Oh. So anyway, Drea, what are you cheersing to? <laughs> well, not just to, moving on. Let's not, just move on. Not to fucking that. Let me tell you, um, I am cheersing to season three of again because obviously, um, I'm excited about. It. Did I mention it already? Did I mention how excited I am? We're not excited at all. No, we're not excited at all. Uh, so yeah, I'm cheersing to season three. I'm cheersing to warmer weather. I'm cheersing to good times with good friends that hopefully don't end in a fucking tornado disaster so yeah yeah all those things generally all the things that bring that come with spring and summer i feel like yeah i like socializing being outside i'm ready things yeah i'm ready for it she's super ready what are you jeering to oh jesus my day job do you have anybody that listens to the podcast i do I do have people who listen. Hello, fellow co-workers of Drea. <laughs> and they're like, I love it when you talk about your job. I just, it's, it, it's been a rough, it's been a rough month, couple of weeks um, since I got back from vacation. It's just been a royal shit show. And I will admit, part of that was my fault. Like, I did not schedule appropriately. Yeah. To, to, but the other part of it is, like, that's just the nature of my job because there's, there's really never an appropriate time to schedule some of the bullshit I've been having to deal with. Um, but if this last couple of weeks has taught me anything, it's that I just really need to find a way to drink for a living. <laughs> like, is there, is there a Patreon for that? Can I get adopted? I mean, what's like, what do I got to do? So dear listener, if or reader, however, however you like your podcast served up to you, um, if you know of said job, hit a bitch up. Just saying. I think it's called like a wine rep where you sell, you work for a wine, you know, wine distributor and you sell it to restaurants and stuff. Oh man, I really need hot Rob to give yeah. me a lesson in sales. Rob because, would be really good at because that. Because I just do not. You're good with the knowledge. Rob's just really good with the sales. Yeah. So maybe together could, you can make team a up. fucking amazing team. We really should because as we all know, I am not a people person. But she kind of is. I'm so mad. Don't let her fool you people. I'm going to go into hibernation. Bye. <laughs> well, there you have it. Cheers and jeers. To cheers and jeers. Season in honor of the start of season three and in celebration of our anniversary we're playing a little getting to know you sort of game now we did do this for jules's first episode um, at the end of season one, when we passed that torch from Anne to Jules, but that was a kind of getting to know you wine style game. I feel like we've grown, we've evolved as a partnership. Devolved in some ways. I mean, well, you know, <laughs> comes with the territory. Uh, so this time we're getting a little more personal and we are playing the name game. So we have each come up with words to describe each other using the letters in each other's names. And we, we work, so podcast secrets, we work off of a shared document. 
um, where we build out the episodes. And this part we have kept secret from each other, so this is going to be fun. We may have to re-record it. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> see how this goes. We'll see how this goes. So just to refresh everybody's memories, we are Drea and Jules. My name is actually Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A. And Jules is Julie, but she, as soon as I got here, she was like, no, you need to use Jules. So I she was like, She said okay. Julie, and I was like, no one really calls me that. So, but people do call you Andrea. This is true. Sometimes, There's like, you I know, think it's like 50-50, so. The Silver Fox calls me Andrea when yes. he is not pleased. Your parents call you Andrea. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Also when they are not pleased. Oh, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, it's not looking good well, for I me. Well, I can cut mine down to Andrea. <laughs> no, no. Let's, Easily. No, That's let's, easy. No, let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's okay. keep this ball rolling. All right. Are we just going to do like straight through? Yeah, I think so. Because otherwise we're going to fuck this up. We don't okay. know how to spell. So I have A for ambitious. Oh, that's a Slytherin word. <laughs> it could be good. It could be bad. You never really know. N is for nerdy in Fair. the best possible way. Push the glasses up. D is for dynamic. R is for resourceful. E is for enthusiastic. And A is for adventurous. Aw, I like these words. Yeah. These are fun. I try to keep it on the up and up. I, that's probably for the best. I really want to keep it positive. <laughs> oh, we should have done a positive and a negative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe our next episode will be the negative. Okay, there we go. <laughs> okay, so for Jules, J is for joyful because you always find joy in everyday moments and simple pleasures and that's so important i think because it reminds me to stay grounded too u is for unique from your style to your interest to your taste in wines you're new unique in so many ways and it's been rad getting to know you more this year we're gonna have to re-record this because you're like explaining your words well i'm fucking nerdy remember that's true that's true and she's resourceful (laughs) L is for loving because you're an amazing dog mom, an incredible friend, and a thoughtful human. E is for extroverted. You've showed me how to be a more social person, and your energy is always infectious in the best way. And S, I borrowed a word from Zoya, Zozo the Bozo. Oh, boy. You are spicy. Spicy. I was like, spirited or spicy? I don't know what. From the food you eat to your sense of humor to that garbage you sometimes like to read, read (laughs) Santa's Broken Toy. (laughs) (laughs) I love your spiciness. So thank you for being my co-host and my friend. Oh, I love you. That's so sweet. Now I'm like, I really feel like I have to go back and say why I picked all those words for Andrea. But I really honestly feel like anybody that knows you... And even people listening will understand why I picked those words. So, thank you. And well, like and this. once again, cheers to us. Cheers to us, because we rad bitches. Fuck yeah. For bottle fifty-three, which is the first episode of season three, our bottle that we have for today is called My Favorite Neighbor, and it's a twenty twenty-one rosé. And Drea picked this. She picked it. Um, I approved it. Because we're neighbors and we are favorites. So my favorite neighbor is our bottle. The price point is $30. ABV is 14.1%. And when I read that in the Google Doc, I literally said out loud, wowza. Just like that. Wowza. (laughs) I feel like that's going to pack a punch. I don't like, rosés are not typically above 14 or. I mean, I think the last rosé. 
The D Wade Wade Sellers Rose was what, like twelve point something? Right, maybe? but that's what I'm saying. That's a pretty significant difference. All right, well, you know, it's fine. So anyway, fourteen point one percent. So getting the season off to a great start. We are just gonna see how that goes. And it's a blend. And it's a blend of sixty eight percent Cabernet Sauvignon, twenty three percent Malbec, seven percent Syrah, and two percent Cabernet Franc. So, sounds like a pretty good blend to me. Mm, those are all tasty. Yeah, those oh, are all tasty. Um, so, let's get into some fun facts about this wine. So, fun facts with Jules. We really need a song for this. Anywho. We do. Maybe we can get Hot Rob to sing one. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Everybody would stop listening. Sorry, Rob, but your voice is... Mm. I'm really angling for that musical season. It's bad. It's bad. Anyway... My favorite neighbor is the sister winery to Paso Robles Powerhouse Booker and is part of Eric Jensen's wine empire. So Eric Jensen is the winemaker at Booker. And each year, my favorite neighbor hosts a party. Well, it's called Party with a Purpose, which raises over a million dollars for local charities. So I think that's pretty cool whenever people can use their power for good. Uh, Back to Eric Jensen. He's the farmer and winemaker at Booker Vineyard, and he received, recently received, or did receive, I'm not sure, was it last February or this past February? So the award was for the 2022. So he just got it this February. But he got it this February, yeah. yeah. So he just received the 2022 Paso Robles Wine Industry Person of the Year Award at the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance's annual gala just this past February. Woo woo. Ooh, say that 10 times fast. <laughs> My godfathers. Uh, he also hosts a podcast called Poppin' Corks. Not poppin', popping corks with a G, not with an N. And you can find it on Spotify and iTunes, so give it a listen, but only after you listen to our podcast. Yeah, obviously. So, yeah. hello. And also, if you go and listen to it, you can tell him that we referred you to it. And I was perusing the website, and... <laughs> I saw there's a picture of this wine and it said MFN Blanc. Like a Blanc, you know, Blanc, a, yeah. white, a white wine. And I immediately thought it meant motherfucking white wine. <laughs> and I was just laughing to myself. <laughs> and then I thought, you're such an idiot. It's just the acronym for the winery, MFN, my favorite neighbor. But it will now always be known to me as a motherfucking. Fill in the blank, right? So it's the motherfucking rosé. It's a motherfucking blank. Wait, so when... Okay, I also... After my last trip to Paso, I brought a bottle of this rosé back for Jules as well, in addition to the bottle we're drinking today, because, like, come on, how could I not, right? She, like, watches my house and gets my mail, makes sure no one's robbing me and shit. Did you bring me the rosé, or did you bring me a different one? No, I brought you the rosé. I swear mine had a different label. Oh, we about to find out. <gasps> okay. I'm um, going to have to go dig around my, my But when, when I brought it, were you like, this bitch brought me some motherfucking rosé? I didn't. Oh. I don't. Like, <laughs> I, I must not have really looked at it because today I just saw, oh, it's motherfucking wine. I thought that was just their like a little play on something. They were being funny, like tongue in cheek. And I was like, oh, no, it's my favorite name. Okay. So anyway, so yeah. Jules can sometimes be an intelligent person and other times she can be a complete dummy but I did catch myself and also I am not above making fun of myself so I just thought I would share that because I thought it was just funny that I 
said that out loud to myself today. I do like that. <laughs> that made my day. Drea, tell us a little bit about the region of Paso Robles, which we have talked about before in the podcast because it's one of Drea's favorite areas. But, you know, she always comes at us with some interesting information that she has not covered. So, you know, tell us. I was actually looking at some past episodes in the notes for for Paso Robles mm-hmm. that we've talked about cuz I was like, all right, you how, know cuz she resourceful. How much of this shit have I already said before? Yeah. Uh and you're like not a lot. Not mm-hmm. a lot. So we had a Tin City episode where we okay. talked a lot about Tin City. That we wasn't had, with me. Nope. We have another episode um where we featured the Firebolt from Serrano which is has actually moved to Austin, also Texas. Me. And that Firebolt was more of a Harry Potter-themed episode, so we spent a lot of time talking about Harry Potter. So you'd have to go deep into the archives to listen to those. So if yeah, you're that's not season going, one. If you're not going back through previous episodes, which, you know, you should pick you know, pick a couple out, be interesting, um, this will all be new to you, so take yep. it away. So Paso Robles is part of a string of California's Central Coast viticultural areas that has long been associated with experimentation. The town, El Paso de Robles which translates to Pass of the Oak Trees, was co-founded by Kentucky outlaws Frank and Jesse James's uncle, Drooney, who around 1769 came across this area and established the first community there. There is also, fun fact, a rumored James Gang bandit hideout that today still sits near what is now the Oso Libre Ranch and Winery. You can actually see the like little hideout clearing from the tasting room at Oso Libre, which is crazy. Uh, so today, though, Paso Robles has continued to maintain its rep- reputation and has been called the Wild West of California wines. But winemaking in the area began long before the James Gang. Like many of the California wine-growing regions, viticulture started on the Central Coast with the expansion of the Spanish missions, of course. And colonialism. Ding, ding, ding. Obviously. (laughs) I really considered getting like a bell for this season. So anytime Dre says colonialism, I would just ring the bell. I mean, the bell I have was really obnoxious. It was like a bicycle bell. Oh my God. So it was like, ding, ding. (laughs) So uh, dear listener and dear reader... If you want me to ring a bell every time she says one of her buzzwords, I, let us you know. know. I can't help we it. Can, we can incorporate it's it. It's a fact. Facts. Colonialism is facts. Facts. Any who's it. In 1887, <laughs> Mission San Miguel the Archangel was established and vineyards were planted in the area surrounding the mission that would eventually become Paso Robles. Um... Paso Robles also benefited from the mass exodus from Northern California following the gold rush, when many who did not find their fortune ventured south and went into the agriculture business, including the cultivation of vineyards. In 1882, Indiana rancher Andrew York established Ascension Winery, which is known today as the York Mountain Winery. It is the oldest commercial producing winery in Paso, um, and they planted some of the region's first Zinfandel vines. 
today, let's just kind of fast forward a little bit so, you know, we don't get too too down in the dumps here. Um, <laughs> Paso Robles is California's fastest growing AVA, which I think is really interesting and very telling about the type of work that's going on there. Um, there are more than 200 wineries and they have more than 40,000 acres under vine. And in 2014, they established 11 sub-AVAs to help really capture the distinctive character of the various wines. So now that we've talked a little bit about the history of the area, let's talk about the land itself. Um, I think what makes Paso's terroir really interesting is the amount of diversity in their soils, elevation, and rainfall moisture. So the Paso Robles AVA is California's largest in size. It encompasses a huge area um, which covers just about 614,000 acres. Uh, in this giant area, there are over 45 different kinds of soil, including granite, sedimentary, volcanic, sand, uh, sandstone, and one of, or the largest, I should say, Cal Karis based soil formation in all of California. So this soil is clay based, has a high lime content and produces higher pH levels than the other types of soils that most vines are grown in. The high pH tends to reduce the vine's vigor and allows for a more dense flavor concentration and retention of acidity in the grapes, which then of course transfers to the wine. Um, this is a great set soil for warm climate grapes, which ripen with, you know, out any problems. In addition to the soil diversity, the area sees rainfall levels that vary from desert-like conditions of about 10 inches a year to up to 40 inches a year in the higher elevation regions. I mean, Paso has been really interesting to watch even in the last couple of years. So this last winter, they were just hammered. I was going to say, this winter would be a lot more water. So, I mean, this, like, I was out there in February tasting, and we were at one tasting room at a higher elevation, and there was, like, this this farm truck, like, out in the the vineyard, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, and the winemaker was like, no, that's an actual work truck that got stuck there, and we can't get it out. Oh, shit. So, they have, I mean... I was there, and then a week later, there were snow flurries in Paso. Yeah. And it, it, it's just been a crazy year. So Southern and Central California, well, really all of California has just, just been bananas this winter. It's been insane. Bananas. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this, this winter in particular changes this up a little bit. Um, the other thing along with the rainfall is the elevation. So elevation in Paso reaches up to 2,400 feet on the west side with lower sites in the east starting around 700 feet above sea level. So this really allows the wines to retain high levels of natural acidity, also gives growers a ton of options. Um, one of the reasons the AVAs were established, the sub-AVAs were established, was to really kind of um, be able to identify where grapes are coming for certain bottles and to give consumers some sense of then what that's going to taste like, right? So if you're in the Templeton Gap, which is known for their wind um, and their sun, versus if you're in these high elevations and you're growing on a shade slope, it all makes a huge difference, right? In terms of temperature along those lines, 
Paso Robles has always been known for its heat. Average temperatures during the growing season, like so the height of summer, can be, you know, 100, 105. Oh, yeah. I've been there when it's yeah. been unpleasant as fuck. It's not great. Um, and for this reason, it's been popular with late ripening varietals like Cabernet Sauvignon, Mavedra, things like that. Um, I will say, though, in a couple of years that I've been spending a lot of time up there and talking to growers and winemakers, like harvest is earlier and earlier. So a number of winemakers like this last year picked in June. So you're talking about grapes that were originally harvested in like October. Wow. Right. And now they're being harvested at the end of June. Again, I think that's going to change drastically with the amount of rain and the cold weather that this area has seen this last year. But it'll be we'll have to do we'll have to do a follow up episode. Um, And then, of course, when you talk about temperatures, you talk about the nighttime temperatures as well. And Paso can get down to the 40s and 50s even during the heat of summer. Uh, when I was there in February, it was down into the 20s. Mm-hmm. It's been down into the teens. So there's a huge shift in that temperature um, that really has an influence on the grapes. Uh, in terms of what they grow, Prasso is primarily known for its Zins, its Bordeaux-style blends, its Rhone-style blends, like, of course, the famous GSM, which is a Grenache, Syrah, Movedra. Almost every producer has some sort of version of this, and I say it's like the Patadas Bravas of Paso. Like, everyone makes one, but they're all super a little different. different. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're also known for their Cal Italian wines. So we had an episode recently where we featured a Cal Italian style wine. It was from a different AVA, but they grow them quite a bit in Paso. So think like Nebbiolos, things like that. And um, their signature white for the area is a Vignet, which is always a, fi- a solid favorite of mine, especially for this time of year. Oh, it's not Chardonnay? Sauvignon Blanc? <laughs> Only if it comes in a can. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's a little bit about Paso. So what about my favorite neighbor specifically? Oh, yeah. And Eric Jensen. And Eric Jensen. So as we talked about, um, my favorite neighbor is a sister winery to Booker. And the name my favorite neighbor is an homage to Stefan Aseo of La Venture Wines, who helped Eric get his start in the business and used to own the property next to Booker. In the early years of their friendship, whenever Stephen would call Eric... Stefan or Stephen? Oh, I think it's Stefan. Okay. He's um, he's French, so yeah, you're okay. absolutely right. It's okay. Stefan. Sorry, Stefan. Uh, whenever Stefan called Eric, he would refer to himself as Eric's favorite neighbor. Uh, and in 2006, this phrase turned into a Cabernet-based blend to honor Stefan and his Bordeaux roots uh, and was called My Favorite Neighbor. So it was actually part of the Booker line at that time. Um, this single wine, though, has now become a whole line of what I think are easy drinking wines for a sophisticated palate. Not for the motherfucking wine drinking. Not for the motherfucking. Well, maybe. I mean, they can be. They can be boss. You know, it's fine. Uh, For many vintages, motherfucking wine. Motherfucking wine was made (laughs) exclusively from estate-grown grapes from the Booker vineyards, um, which are extremely limited in production. So, of course, then the wine becomes extremely limited. But in 2016, they expanded the operation and included more vineyards in their wines to increase production. In addition, My Favorite Neighbor became its own winery and brand separate from Booker with its own tasting room and production facility. 
I just want to say, since it's like motherfucking wine, both of these places are amazing. Like oh, their the pictures look beautiful. Their tasting rooms are top notch. Their staff is phenomenal. The service is great. The wines are beautiful. If you were in Paso Robles at any given point, these two are not to be missed. Um, and but one of also, the also I challenge anyone to go there and be like, let's get some motherfucking wine. Yeah, and, and it, just and re- walk in and just start dropping mics and record it and record it because we want to see it. Yeah, get that on Instagram. <laughs> but um, I think. You know, one of the things that's great about these two labels and one of the things that has stayed consistent between Booker and My Favorite Neighbor is Jensen's commitment to sustainable farming practices. So My Favorite Neighbor, all of their wine is, all of their grapes are farmed using organic and biodynamic practices. And they really pride themselves on using both new technologies and old school methods like planting rose bushes to help tend the vines and make sure that they're staying nice and healthy. So um, I really respect that process and that commitment um, that Jensen has made to his his wine um, business. Of their philosophy, their website says... The result in the bottle is a cult-level wine that achieves the viticulturist's goal and makes the vineyard team proud. And, you know, I really like the sentiment that they they really care about what's going into that mm-hmm. bottle, you know, and they don't produce a ton. Neither one of these these wineries is, you know, huge production. My I don't know that I've ever even seen it on a restaurant wine list or anything. Yeah, so my favorite most neighbor of this stuff goes to wine club members. I think is just at the tasting room at the wine club. Yeah. Booker you can find in town at some of the higher end um, restaurants, but certainly, you know, you don't see it a ton out. Um, and it really is a special experience, I think, to go to both of these tasting rooms and try their wines and listen to their story and just have a good time. So Let's bring on the motherfucking wine. Let's drink some motherfucking wine. And here we find ourselves at our favorite part of the episode where we actually get to drink the wine. So we, full disclosure, have not had the wine yet. Sometimes we imbibe while we're recording the rest of the podcast, but we just took the bottle out of the freezer. So it's really toasty cold. And pours ourselves a glass. So let's start with the color. What are we seeing? I mean, this is a really unique rosé. So first of all, why don't you tell them about your experience on the website? Okay, so if you were to go to the website to buy a bottle of this wine, do not be put off by the horrendous photography that they have sorry my favorite neighbor yeah but it just look it looks neon pink like miami vice neon pink the like don johnson level the wine is absolutely not that color so you can refer to our instagram for what the bottle actually looks like and what the wine actually looks like in a glass but the what they have as marketing on their website is really quite uh it's a little scary what it looks like well and it's really different from what's actually in the glass right now which i think is key because this is a very dark rosé so very dark a deep pink i mean almost a light ruby uh and to me it looks like kind of like the color of like a pomegranate Mm -hmm. juice like a you know that that type of pinkish red i mean it's really more of a pinkish red yeah it's almost like it looks like a 
very, very light Pinot Noir almost. Oh, or like a watered yeah, down, yeah, yeah. like a Gamay Pinot Noir. What's the other one I'm thinking of? There's another one that uh, is usually Boulay? chilled. Uh, Anywho, maybe whatever. it's a Carignan. Carignan. Sometimes a Carignan can yeah. be light. Like it just it a looks Claret. it looks way more like a light bodied red wine than it does a rosé. I told Drea it reminds me of a Cosmopolitan cocktail, and uh, she was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I gave her a dirty look. But I, I don't did. mean that in a bad way. I just mean, like, just the color of it, because, you know, you use cranberry juice for a Cosmo, and it has that kind of those hints Deep of those tones. colors. Yeah. Right. So it's a Cosmo and a wine glass. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Let's my talk about what are you getting on the nose? Tell me, Drea, because I'm having a hard time with this one. Also, just FYI, I'm having a little bit of an allergy situation. Oh. And I'm wondering if that's why I'm not... I'm getting, like, nothing. Really? I'm getting nothing. So I think this actually has a really bold nose for a rosé. And I'm getting um, big red fruits. So... Big. Big. The biggest. The biggest and the baddest. No, like, so strawberry, early season cherry, red plum, some pomegranate. Just, you know, you think of that, like, summer fruits. If you could put together a summer fruit salad with all red fruits, that's what I'm getting from this glass. I'm getting but, nothing. I do think it's because I'm having this weird allergy situation. I want to scratch my eyeballs out, everybody. There's, a, I told you the neti pot. So there's, there's also, uh, you need to neti pot before our next episode. So, there's, so that my it. nose is on the nose. Um, there's also on the back end, though, like some definite herbaceousness, like some thyme, some tarragon, uh, even just like a touch of white pepper, which is probably coming from that Syrah. Like it's, it's, she bold for rosé. She, she big and she bold and she beautiful. Wow. I guess we're just going to have to trust Dre on that one because mm-hmm. Jules is absolutely failing on this. I mean, we usually do. Let's be honest. I usually do. <laughs> My, I'm good with the color. I'm good with the taste. Usually the nose. Mm, I'm kind of a failure at that. So anyway, moving on. Let's taste let's this taste bad it. boy. Maybe I'll be able to taste it. Tastes good. <laughs> well, so, season three new season, three. same fucking bullshit. Uh, okay. No, I mean, like, I can, ta- I can taste it. That's good. That's positive. And yep. to me, it's um, fresh okay. and, like, minerally. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels really light. I expect it to be a lot bolder than it is. But, again... Maybe I'm not getting it. Again, you need to neti pot before our next episode. Okay. So I actually think that um, for me, and of course, like this is all referential too, right? So keep But that, also Jules is having an allergy thing. She, so. She's having a moment. I have a feeling it's not, usually we're fairly close, close on Especially that on stuff. the taste, yeah. So she was looking at me as I was saying that stuff and I was like, that's not <laughs> correct, is it? Because... You're giving me a look like, girl, your nose is completely stuffed up. Girl, get that nanny pot. Um, so I I actually think that the flavor profile really matches the boldness of the color and the nose. This is just one of those wines where those three things 
are entirely in sync with each other. So what I get initially, and I and I think Jules, maybe where you're suffering is like in that initial hit. Because even on the nose, like the fruit was the first thing I got on the nose and then it kind of mellowed out into some other more nuanced flavors. Same with the taste, which, you know, um, doesn't always happen that way. Like you get that punch of fruit and acid. Okay, so. I'm using my boom boom stick. She, dear okay. listeners, she looked like she just pulled out a fucking like Coke stick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys. Just a total non-wine related hot tip. There is this product. It looks like a chapstick. And it's called Boom Boom. You can get it at Walgreens. Well, I got it at Walgreens, but there's probably CVS or something you can get it at. And you literally just stick it up your nose and you inhale. And it's like Vicks. Mm. Vicks makes one like that too. But this yeah. is all natural. It's like an all natural one. Oh, Okay. That's and nice. so I bought it when I was in Sedona because, oh, you know, so being dry, like dry and yep. stuff. And I freaking love it. So let's see. Let's see if the Boom Boom okay, Stick does the job. The Boom Boom Stick is also like fucking minty eucalyptus. Oh, so Jesus. I might have really fucked shit hey, up. Well, Jules just be breaking all the fucking rules. So for we're just going to go with season whatever three. Whatever Dreya uh, But this is a pretty bold rosé. So if you, if you like, okay, I think if you like bold wines... And you are someone who's like, oh, I'm not a rosé drinker. I'm not a white wine drinker. Give this a try. Because I think that this will live up to that bold flavor profile you like. Um, How are you not a rosé drinker? I can get white. I get white wine. Because you have to have good white wine to enjoy white wine, I think. And that was my problem for a long time with white wine. I just wasn't having the right kinds of white wine. Right. And that's why I thought I hated white wine. But rosé, I feel like there's a lot of pretty decent options out there. I think the the rosé thing, though, come it's more like of a prejudice. You know what I mean? Like, ugh, it's so like a basic. racism thing? No, like oh my, okay, because of the color. People don't like it's like pinkism. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! So, um, what was I saying about hating? What, what was I saying about hating my job? Um, <laughs> I am sake. literally everyone that Daria works with <laughs> right now in this moment. Um, no, I, I think that like a lot of people who who fancy themselves as serious wine drinkers think that rosé is just like a ba- basic bitch drink. It's just literally a red a red wine and a white wine just blended and shit together. No, that's not what they think. But it's they I mean, might. I mean, I think they know about the skin contact if they're mm-hmm. like, well, maybe you not. know, you know, you've seen those people at a tasting room that I talk have. a bunch of shit, and you're like, wow, you think you know, and you don't fucking know. That's true. I did actually just encounter some of those people in Barcelona, but that's not. I have also there. seen people mix white and red wine together at a very fancy wine event at a very fancy country club here in the San Diego area. Well, so that, people that have a ton of money that and no fucking me. common sense. So, um, but no, I think that you know, rosé kind of has become. I think it's it's fallen a little bit victim to the same um, sense that like. Chardonnay and Pinot Noir have, especially in California, where everyone makes one now, right? Like, they're so popular. Everyone makes one. There's a lot that aren't great, but there's a lot that are. And I think what what to remember about a rosé is it really can be a crowd pleaser. So it's going to appeal to your red drinkers. It's going to appeal to your white drinkers. And 
I think one of the best, like, not kept secrets, but one of the things that we don't talk about a lot in the wine world is rosé is a fucking excellent pairing wine with food. Like, it's so versatile. All right, so let's talk about that. All right, what what are you what are you eating alongside this bottle? So originally I was thinking rosé, it's spring, going into summer, but looking at this wine and semi-tasting this wine, I guess, stupid nose, I want to put this in the fall. Okay. Like late, late summer, early fall category where you're kind of starting to think about transitioning back into your red wines. So like late September in California. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. But I still, here I go. I'm going to combine all my, my all situations in my entertainment, right? I still She's back be, on her bullshit, listeners. <laughs> I want to be outside and like listening to live music at a vineyard. Okay. Like we, maybe. So like we can make that happen. You know, like maybe at their uh, harvest party or something. You know, that all the, they have all their club mm-hmm. member parties, yeah. that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, just like sitting, listening to some live music and eating, this is going to be really weird, but it's like a shrimp ceviche. Okay. I can see that. With some I, really, really good tortillas. I think, it would, tortillas. I think it would have to be a spicy oh, ceviche. Oh, I mean, though. hello, you're talking to me. Right. You're, There's you, definitely going to be some you, fucking jalapenos and other Serrano's. shit in there. Yeah. You with, you with spicy. Maybe why. ghost pepper. Oh, Jesus. Fuck me. Okay. Um. So I actually went in the complete opposite direction of course. with my food pairing. But yeah. that's what this proves my point, right? That this wine and rosés in general are super versatile. So I would drink this in the summer. Um, I think that, you know... To clarify, I would drink it in the summer. Oh, okay. But I kind of just changed my mind when I tried it to be like, I, this would be like a really good transition Stop to scratching your eye. <gasps> I can't. <laughs> Put your glasses on. Hurts. So, um, you know, I, I one of the, the nice things about living in coastal Southern California is in the summer, the nights are still pretty, they can be chilly. You know, you can get that marine layer um, and, you know, you, you're in the mood to light a chimney and do that kind of shit, right? So I would pair this, but it's still summer. So you're still enjoying kind of that balminess. I think this would be great with like, a grill situation. So, like, if you're making burgers, if you're grilling... Maybe um, shrimp skewers. Yeah, if you're gr- grilling skewers, if you're doing even... Like, even... We're in San Diego. Listen, if you're doing a carne asado taco... <laughs> they know we're in San Diego. Wow, calm down. <laughs> you know what? Go back to scratching your eye. Um, but, like, something on a grill. Like, I think that this rosé can stand up to that for sure. So... It's your grilled corn. I love a grilled corn. Corn on the cob? I I have feelings about that. Oh, okay. It's, corn on the cob is like in solidly in the chicken wing category for me. Meaning what? Like it's a lot of fucking work for not a lot of fucking payoff. Oh, I love corn on the cob. Rib, I feel the same about ribs. I've got a whole thing about it. Maybe you just don't like eating with your hands? I also don't like my food touching. Each other? Yes. <gasps> Oh, I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. You're okay, welcome. I'm yeah. going to have to now, next oh. time we eat together, I'm going to have to like look at your plate. Ask Andy and Rose. It was a whole thing. Whole thing growing up as kids. Wow. Still I is. love to get like a little bit of all the bites on my fork and put it all together. I mean, I'm fine with that. But on the plate, it can't be touching. Yeah, but on the plate, no. Like <gasps> gravy and peas, absolutely the fuck not. Are you five years old? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. That's such like, you know, little kids would be like, no, I can't touch. <laughs> That's why they have compartmentalized plates. Oh, if I could find well, now I know what to get you for I would Christmas. fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Note All right. Self. So, um, anywho, now that you know some of the reasons why I'm in therapy, uh, <laughs> a situation, entertainment. I also want to be outside. I want to be outside in the evening. I want to have the chimney going. I want to have... Um, the grill going. The grill going. I want to have music. my Dave Matthews inspired playlist oh, that, Rob. that Hot, Hot Rob, Rob is going to absolutely hate. Hot Rob is now turning yeah. this episode off. Bye, Rob. <laughs> Love you. Um, yeah. And I just want to like chill out and enjoy the, the evening. So this is to my point earlier about this wine and my favorite neighbor. You know, I do think that they make. Easy, easy drinking wines for a sophisticated palate. And, and I stand by that. I feel like this is what that wine is. Like it's unique enough and it's interesting enough um, and it's complex enough that your aficionados are really going to enjoy it. But it's also approachable enough that you can have this wine with a burger or ceviche or some grilled skewers and, you know, do a cookout and just chill out. So um, I love this for a summer entertaining bottle for sure. And I love that I get to share it with one of my favorite neighbors. I know. Thanks for sharing it with me, even though I'm obviously not getting the same thing you are out of it. Well, you know. I'm enjoying it, though. It's it's not like this is going to be the last time we drink this wine. That's true. <laughs> All right. So for purchasing, um, you can find this wine directly through My Favorite Neighbor on their website. Again, don't be put off by the color of yep. the bottle in their marketing materials. So check them out. We'll do a link on the Instagram um, on our link tree, we will also highlight the vineyard uh, on the Instagram in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Speaking of which, if you don't already follow us, we are Two Girls in a Great Pod. That's T-W-O, Girls in a Great Pod, P-O-D, on IG. And if you have enjoyed this episode, if you find us wildly entertaining, if you enjoy us, just period. If you don't. Even if you don't. No, I no, if you don't She doesn't want to hear up. from you. I don't want to hear from you. But if <laughs> unfollow. <laughs> yeah, unfollow. This isn't for you. Bye. Um It's but, okay. We're not for everybody. We're okay with that. But if you do happen to enjoy, the best thing you can do, like, follow, rate, all the give things. us a shout out, tell your friends, tell them you've had a good time with two girls in a grave. Maybe get some friends together and have a listen. There you go. Drink the wine. Do what you got to do. Drink the the wine. Drink the wine. Drink the wine. That's all you need. That's our tagline for season three. Just drink the wine. Just drink the wine. Just drink the wine. Just do it. All right. And on that note, cheers. Salute.